welcome to the American Scouser podcast. We are back. Euros are out of the way, so we can just focus on Liverpool again. I am your host, Timuchin, and with me today is Paul Bickler from North Carolina. What's going on there, Paul? I am doing great. It's just rainy and gross outside. Really, it's pretty much the same crap here most of the time, but the last couple of days have not been bad. But I've been wrestling bees on the deck, so that's always a good time. Uh, and with us today is Chris Gullivan from the East Coast. Chris, what's up? Same thing going on in North Carolina and Chicago, unfortunately. It's rain, rain, and more rain. Yeah, I don't know. All these years, I know I complained, but man, I had it made with the Mediterranean climate back in the day uh, Chicago is never it's either too hot or too cold but what are you gonna do so gentlemen uh there's a lot going on uh we have a lot to talk about and cover as well but I I know there's a lot going on on the website right now we have our newest and refresh map uh hopefully will be unleashed tomorrow along with this podcast actually uh with more like links to the, the like the social media of all the supporter bars and stuff like that so that's going to be great and we also have some new writers on our websites uh ken kendra is one of them actually he has written a few books we actually had a giveaway with one of his books before uh he has an awesome article coming up and stuff so a lot of stuff happening but let's start with today's main events rumor bs whatever you want to call it was the handle news that came out because Pierce is apparently now Mr. Clickbait from becoming reliable resource. So, Paul, what do you make of this news? I don't even know if it is news. It was more like what's happening, rehash to make a headline is what it looked like. But it was quite the headline when you just read the headline. Yeah, I mean, that was just the perfect storm, right? Of it being like slow news recently in the transfer market and it being about Jordan Henderson and it involving James Pierce, who used to be sort of the, the hierarchy of, of reliability for Liverpool news. Um, he's not as much so since he's made his move to the athletic. Um, I guess my I th- what I found interesting was more the reaction to it than the actual news itself, right? I mean, because you have uh, – it was immediately framed as like – oh, here's FSG pissing away any goodwill that they could have built up over the past four years by, like, exiling, you know, exiling another player. Um, and ironically, to me, it's the same group of people. Like The FSG out group is the same group that had spent the last four years talking about how Jordan Henderson's not good enough. So the irony in it was, like, just palpable to me throughout the day. Um, and, like, look, I mean, the – the contract runs out in summer of 2023 along with 13 other players that are currently rostered. So like, he's not going anywhere. There's two years left on the contract. You know, all this talk about him going to PSG and Atletico is just that it's just talk. There's nothing like there's no substantial links that are given to that discussion other than, Oh, you know, such and so manager is keen on said player. And it's like, you know, how many players Klopp's probably clean keen on like i mean probably like 40 like so yeah it's i don't know man i think it's just the perfect storm of like slow news and who it came from and what it was about but yeah like to me the the reaction was just as interesting as the actual news itself and that's the thing when i just saw the headline i was like i mean he is i've talked about on this podcast before he's by far my favorite player on that team uh personality wise uh leadership wise and what he brings on the field as well, I think sometimes we talk so much about his like leadership and, you know, like personality that we forget how much we miss him anytime he's not on the field. Uh, but just as a whole, I think like as an example, I mean, I have, you know, my older daughter played the entire time. My younger daughter still plays. I feel like a player like that is such a great example to show that, you know, if you fully commit and like just work hard, you don't have to have an obnoxious physical trait in terms of like being, you know, size wise or speed or anything like that you can kind of make like an excellent player of yourself but so that brings me back to that's what i kind of wanted to ask you and i'll come to you with you chris along with the henderson news how do you handle all the crap transfer rumors right now like this time of year do you even obviously we do this so we kind of have to follow the news but how much 
you know, thought, value, or care do you put into it, including like this Henderson thing, for example? So I'll I'll, I'll go on the uh, straight no filter. This Henderson thing is straight bullshit. I believe there's nothing in it whatsoever outside of James Pierce doesn't get nearly as much information working for the athletic that he got working for the Liverpool Echo. And that's really what it is. He doesn't have the exposure anymore behind the scenes to some of the, the inside folks and some of the, the folks that worked inside the stadium. I don't think he actually has his finger on the pulse of the Liverpool team any longer like he did before. And I think that's why we see articles like this one. This smells like desperation. There's nothing to write about right now because everyone knows that they have to sell to buy. And that kind of dovetails into your comment about what do I believe and what do I read? Um, there are reporters that I believe more than others. And I'm sure there's many that we all listen to. Uh, but at the end of the day, what really comes through is accurate reporting that actually has a story behind it. And once you clicked on that link today, you realize that entire article was nothing more than innuendo around a contract using Jeannie Vinaldum's experience as the barometer. And they're completely separate. One is a club legend. The other has been an amazing player for five plus years for the club. There is a difference though. Like Henderson replaced Jordan and replaced Gerard and was here before the assurgence like before Klopp's revolution. And to be fair, the same fans that were trying to run Henderson out, and Paul is so apt on his comment earlier, that these folks who want to clamor about, woe is me, the chicken little, the sky is falling, Henderson is gone, are the same people that were telling me that, you know, Nabi Keita should be starting over him every match for the last two years when an unfit player can't get on the pitch or that our club was never going to respond when we let Emre Jean leave. Remember the Emre Jean is the future of our football club. And now he can't be the fifth defense or center back for Dortmund because there's time and place. And I think that's where we get caught up as Liverpool supporters. We're always in the moment in the immediate. And I think the big picture, like Paul mentioned earlier, there's, Tons of players coming up in 2023. And Jordan Henderson isn't the number one contract that should be sorted out. So it's not FSG not looking at things. It's them prioritizing the order in which things should be done. I think that's exactly it. It's, it's prior, prioritizing the contract, right? And like, let's be real. Like the, what the article said was like, if he doesn't get exactly what he wants, he could leave right? Okay. Well, great. You can say that about anybody. The fact of the matter is, is if he's up for contract and he wants to leave for whatever reason. The fact of the matter is, is that Jordan Henderson is going to be 33 years old at that time. He hasn't had necessarily an injury free career. Like, so like at 33, you know, if we decide to move on with him, that's not an FSG being negligent, right? To me, that's, that's them protecting the core of the squad and doing what they feel is right. Now, I personally believe they're going to figure it out. They'll figure out a way for him to stay longer, just like they would James Milner. Like, you know, and Milner may be gone at that point, but, like, you know, I, I know that Milner is getting offered, like, backroom stuff to, to stay on as, as a coach down the road. So, like, I got to feel like that option is going to be there in some, some capacity for Jordan Henderson too. But people are forgetting that, like, he's going to be 33. Like, I mean, that is not – like, you're not – like, is he going to be okay with reduced playing time? Well, 33, he probably should be like, you know, unless he wants to go play and start for like, uh, like a mid table team, uh, week in and week out. And even still, I think he probably realistically knows that he doesn't have the legs for that. So, I mean, I think people just have to look at the big picture in totality instead of just reacting to headlines and look at the time frame in which that's happening. And that's like, I mean, to me, that was the biggest irony because I've been seeing all these like our, you know, dream lineup starting week one and stuff. And Hendo's never on him for some reason. You know, it's like, yeah, go like uh, Fab and then insert a third player. And it's, you know, it could be like Keita, it could be Jones, it could be somebody like Saul and stuff like that. And it is never Henderson. These guys who never appreciated Henderson are now like up in arms. And I almost feel like 
I mean, I'm glad you kind of like brought out the Milner point because I feel like down the road, his role will be Milner's role. I mean, especially the way he plays and his role is more about like energy, control the pace and stuff like that. I feel like he will be the player coming in to kind of like either control a game or get things going like in the second half or like the 60th minute and stuff like that. Similar to how we use Milner now, mostly, I should say, unless he's starting due to like injuries and stuff like that. But so... Who is to blame for all this crap? Is it just our fault because we're clicking on this stuff? I mean, I feel like, and I go through the same thing. This is not just the British media. This is just every freaking media. And I almost feel like the internet has just made it 10 times worse. Because in the past, you know, you had like papers and every day they'll be like, what bullshit do we write today? You know, and then they, they find one player and that'll be it, right? So based on number of papers, times the number of players, there you go. That's what you had. Now I feel like with the internet, a, there are more sites, and B, you have to have a bullshit story for the morning and a bullshit story for the evening. So we're getting like twice the amount of freaking speculation and BS. And do we see an end to it, Chris? Or as long as people click on it, that's what they're after anyway. I mean, the fact of giving actual accurate news is kind of out the door. It's just more of like who's more popular. Yeah, I, I feel this is, you know, I, you know, whether you call it the bastardization or the Americanization of European sports, I think that's what this is. I mean, we've seen this, those that have either grown up here in the States or, you know, have covered sports here long enough. We've created a society where there's no longer a news cycle. We just report rumor as if it's fact. And tweets are like substantiated stories now. You know, we, we have guys tweet and then other players talk about who follows who on social media that leads to stories and reasons to write. This person is interested or disenfranchised with their club because they stopped following them on Instagram or they started liking another club or they're following some other player's agent. We hang on social media as if it is fact-based reporting. And I honestly believe that's the big difference is you have to take out the Fabricio Romanos who use social media to get their message out, but are still reporting based on knowledge, industry information, and sources. And I think that that's a huge loss here and that the soccer world, the football community needs to get back to sourced information. But then again, so does probably every news-based outlet out there, but they're all trying to get the fastest click and the fastest story. I'm actually glad you brought the American sports thing. I mean, Paul, I don't, I mean, I follow American sports. I mean, I follow certain teams. I don't do baseball. It's just way too boring for me. But, uh, you know, I do like American football and like NBA and stuff I follow and like follow teams. And I just do not see as much speculation coming out for those teams, even in the off, you know, what you would consider the off season. I mean, obviously they have drafts. A lot of rumors go with drafts. They're going to get this guy. They're going to get, they're looking at this guy. They're looking at that guy and stuff, but especially in free agency, I feel like there is not as much rumor circulating in American sports as there is soccer. Is it just a number of followers you can kind of like reel in with the rumors or is it something else? I think it's interesting. I think in Europe, for the most part, and I guess this could go for probably like the Americas, like Latin America and South America, I think there's much more of a tabloid culture. Like, I think in general, I mean, I know like, you know, like we used to have, I mean, we do it with our Hollywood celebrities, right? But I think the rest of the world does it with athletes more. This like tabloid sensationalistic, like, like sort of, uh, scene i don't know what else to call it i think you know i think for most part sports journalism has kind of denigrated and gone down the route of just basically finding a narrative that you know sells and then using loose and vague verbiage to basically paint uh, a scenario that could fit that narrative and then you've got hundreds of thousands of non-critical thinkers who just basically will take that assumption and just sort of like pocketed into that narrative so i mean i think it's very purposeful um but it's obviously very effective yeah i don't know it goes back to us getting old or something because i feel like even in most websites i go to now it is becoming more and more i guess like magazine news than actual news itself like if you're trying to follow your team and i'm not talking liverpool i'm not talking like you know like 
like soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, even over here, like it's found like NBA and stuff like that. I mean, you go to, I'm a Lakers fan, you know, like him or hate him. It is what it is. Uh, so I'm a Lakers fan. I mean, I'm sure Chris is like, Chris from Massachusetts is just dying right now. And I mean, he's Lakers, but, um, but you know, you go to Lakers, I mean, you don't get mostly news about the Lakers. You just get like a video of this guy doing that or, you know, this guy put this on his Instagram and stuff because there is really no, it feels like they don't have the news, but they have to have something. And I have to say it, you know, probably they still get the clicks and stuff like that. So uh, we might be fighting like a battle that we will never win. And I sadly feel like it's going to get worse and worse and worse as the competition between websites and stuff like that uh, keep increasing. And that's why, you know, I don't, I mean, Paul, I mean, you know, we've been admins on the side for a while and we've talked about this in the past before, like, do we want to just get clicks and improve the website that way? Or do we want to just go with facts and what's actually happening and actually give substance and go that way? And we obviously chose the latter. Would it be easier to go the first route? Definitely. We probably chose the hardest route, but so far so good. And I feel like that's why I'm like more proud of like the material we put out there in terms of like substance and information and actual thoughts going into it as opposed to just something for people to click on. I mean, we, we know we can post something on Coutinho every day and probably get like hundred times the reaction to uh, something that, for example, BJ writes like nerdy by nature, analyzing players by numbers and stuff like that. But I think I'd rather like kind of like fight the battle in our way over here. Okay. So having said all that, let's go to actually talking about some content and important stuff, actual new stuff, or at least our opinions over here. Uh, what I want to talk about is obviously there's like still like a bunch of rumors going on, a bunch of names being thrown around. Uh, but more importantly, as like Chris talked about earlier, we kind of have to sell before we can buy. And I kind of wanted to get your guys' take on some of the players and see where you guys are at. I know we had done like a keep, sell, loan thing way back uh, about like a month or so ago for like everybody on the roster. Uh, but I wanted to see like where you guys are at with that. And it, not only if your opinion has changed, but I know some of us are saying, you know, if we get a good offer, I just want to know what your guys' concept of good offer is. So let's start with some names. Let's start with you, Paul, with Nat Phillips, your boy. Not really your boy. I'm just kidding. But Nat Phillips. So where are we at with that? What are you thinking? Well, he's going to Brighton. So I hate to break a bunch of hearts, but he's going to go to Brighton. Ben White's just been sold to Arsenal, paving the path for that. And there is renewed and strong interest from Brighton on that Phillips. Um, the only thing that I see with that is he is a homegrown number. So that is a concern there. But I mean, I think anyone in the neighbor, anywhere in the neighborhood of probably like around 15 to 20 million would get that thing done over the line. And I'd be happy with it. Like I love Nat. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's a high line defender. Um, and I think that he would do well at, in Brighton system. Um, yeah, I guess that's where I'm at with Nat. Yeah, I agree 100%, including the dollar amount on that. Uh, how about you, Chris? I think if we got 15 to 20 million, we should literally chew our arm off, run to the bank, and take the money. Um, I think he might be worth it, but I think we have to be real. He played a half a season at Liverpool that he shouldn't have played. And what I mean by that is, is he was on his way to Swansea on loan, and he might have gotten 10 appearances at Swansea in the championship. He played great in his time for Liverpool. But if they can get 10 to 15 million for a guy that they actually tried to basically give away to another club just to pay his salary, I think they have to take that money anywhere from 10 to 15. I think if they got 13 and a half, they would take it because I think that's money you reinvest in a player, as Paul said, will actually play for the club. And it's not that I don't love the guy, but I think they still believe that Reese Williams has a longer long-term future as a 17 year old with speed in size than Nat Phillips does as a, you know, mid 20 year old that doesn't fill the high line and having him as your fifth center back doesn't make any sense either because the reason it worked is we lost three or four center backs. And if that happens again, we all know that the, it, it, it's not going to respond as well as it did. So I think you have to cash in, you have to take the value 
And you have to just remember everything amazing he did helping us get into Champions League and thank him on his way out the door because he deserves to play. And if somebody gets injured, we have Fab, right? Paul, we can play seven. Yeah, exactly. I'm just midfielder <laughs> in the back line, right? I mean, that worked. Um, but I, no, I think Ellie's right though. Like, I think people, you know, people fell in love with Matt, but people forget that this kid needs to play. In like, despite the fact that people are like, oh, he should be paired with Virgil van Dyke. I don't want to be a dick, but I'm just going to completely like not even entertain that because it's just not reasonable to me. He's there's no way he's starting over Matip Gomez or whoever's fit. It's just no way. And the bottom line is the kid wants to play. I mean, that's why he went to Stuttgart and that's why he was like being, you know, he was being heavily shopped in the Bundesliga prior to the season because he has been, he's been very vocal about wanting to play even before the start of this season, he came out in an interview with the echo and said he expects to play. So like when he said he expects to play that to me sounds like a player who already knows he's out the door and wants to be out the door. Like, I don't think he's like disconnected enough from reality to think that he's going to start over those guys in front of him. I agree. Next one. This is another one that I know doesn't get discussed as much because we haven't seen much of them is Costas. The Greek left back, if you can't remember who it is, because we don't see a lot of them. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you on this one. Do you keep him, sell him, loan him? All right. So I am going to personally say I keep him. And I keep him because the club needs a backup left back. From everything you read about the player, the style fits our style, which is he goes forward, yet has speed and can defend. What scares me, more than anything else, is he had, I think, 40 starts for club and country at center back in his career before coming to Liverpool and didn't get a minute when this club didn't have a fit center back on the planet that could walk on a pitch. And that makes me a little nervous for the plain fact that maybe Klopp just doesn't rate him not one iota. And we all, I don't know about you guys, I wasn't with you guys this time last year, this one came out of complete left field for me. I never heard the guy's name. I didn't know anything about him. And then I watched some highlight reels that made me go, maybe he's a poor man's robo, but Kenny Hackett in the Premier League. And the fact that he got kicked in the ankles twice in live play and then missed time due to ligament damage with my air quotes, which sounds like a soft way to say I wasn't hundred percent fit and couldn't play. I get a little nervous, but I think he's got to stay another year. Because I think you have to verify if he has the talent to be here. Because I think you would just take a complete loss if you loaned him out right now. I don't think you could sell him for a dollar ever again. See, honestly, I don't agree with everything. I agree with everything you said except the last spot. I think you can sell him uh, just because, you know, of what he's done in the past. Depends on, like, where he would go in the Greek League or stuff like that. But uh, I, I feel like we don't have enough of a – you know, information to even make a judgment of him. We haven't like really seen him at all. From what we've seen, I mean, I'm amazed. I did not know he played center back. I just don't think he would physically be anywhere near playing center back in the Premier League. So I'm not shocked to him not getting minutes there. But I mean, we just don't know what the kid can do. So obviously they saw something in him when they bought him. So I mean, to me, it's kind of like a easy keep for now. You, Paul? Yeah, it's a weird one for me, right? I mean, like, if I was having beers with Jurgen at the table, I think it'd be my second question, right? The first one being, why was Kabak not worth eight and a half million? And the second one is, does the Greek dude suck? Like, I mean, like, because we bought him to heavily rotate with Robbo, right? I mean, we were concerned about just running Robbo into the ground. And what do we do? We played Robbo in just about every freaking minute we could possibly play him. So, yeah, like... I know he had, you know, he, he did the, the, he had the, the ligament thing. Then he had COVID and then he had like, I just want to know. Cause like, I feel like we do this with players that basically go out of favor. We make up a series of soft tissue issues and illnesses and things like that, because they're, they're just not going to come out and say like, this is not a player we think is uh, available in, in, in the best interest of our team to play. Right. And that's, that's basically what I want to know. It's like, is he good enough or not? Right. Cause I mean, the lasting impression that we got was in the game, you know, with Milner, when you heard Milner say fucking hell, cause he missed a, he missed the space. <laughs> thing on the pass. That's sort of like the image that I have seared in my brain 
is Milner yelling at him. So like, I want to know what happens in training. Like, is that an ongoing issue where he's just not adapting to, to the way we play? Um, it, that's a mystery to me, man. That's a mystery. And like, for me, if he's not good enough, man, like we don't, like you got to find, you got to move on and find an alternative, right? Because Klopp already has a problem rotating people. He likes to play with the smaller squad. So for me, um, we've got a stable of like, well, um, we've got a, we've got a stable of left backs in the Academy that are highly regarded. So um, to me, it's like, I want to see one of those kids come up, whether it's Adam Lewis or one of the other like left backs that we're, we're supposedly very high on. Um, but yeah, that one's a strange one for me. Yeah, it's an odd one to kind of like make a call on, to be honest with you. It was kind of, that's why it's probably not discussed a lot because it's kind of hard to make a judgment on him. The kid is only 25 still, so uh, he's kind of like not too young, not too old, but uh, let's hope this is the year he kind of like breaks through. I feel like we probably can't afford to sell him, but let's see what happens. Uh, quick fire one as we wrap up defense here. Miko. Paul, let's start with you on this one. Love Nico. I don't think he's, I don't think he's ever going to be good enough defensively. Uh, that's just my, uh, it's probably unfair because I know he's really young still, um, but he's another player that's come out and been very public about wanting to move where he can play. So that to me, you know, smacks of us looking for a move for him. And um, you know, the rumor, the hot rumor like a month and a half ago was that it's going to be a permanent move. So um I don't know. We'll see. I mean, that's kind of what we do. We bring up these like promising players in, in these fullback positions and then we move them a lot of times. So um, we'll see what happens. But like my gut, my gut is that he, you know, but I, I, I don't know, man. Cause I said this about Trent too. I wondered if Trent was ever going to be good enough defensively. So um, I, my feeling is that we'll probably move him. And I would think somewhere in the range, like he's another like one that I think you could probably get between 10 and 15 million easy. I think having trend in front of him obviously kind of like slows his growth, but um, I don't know. I feel like, I mean, he's part of the homegrown numbers as well. Just for that alone, I think he will be here at least for another season. Uh, Chris, what do you have on that one? We just don't play these guys enough. And, and you know, and I, I think I wrote one of my articles about the Euros. Like, I don't blame him. He's starting for his country. He's getting opportunities at 19 years old to play for a country in the Euros. And I think the kid feels like he should have a right to play. And it comes back to the Nat Phillips thing. He does have a right to want to play football because he's a football player. He doesn't have a right to believe he's good enough to play at Liverpool Football Club. And therefore, I think him wanting to leave is, makes all the sense in the world. I think I mentioned on another podcast, Southampton. Um, I think a club like Brighton could also be one, especially if they were to lose Lampley. I also think that a club like even like a Burnley that's always looking for wingers that actually cross the ball into big lumbering center forwards might be a type of a club that might see him. But again, I agree with Paul. I don't think he's a good enough defender in Jurgen Klopp's system to go forward. And I just don't know that he's going to have a future with LFC. And if that means we can get 10 to 15 million, I put him at the same exact price tag. If you get that, you snap that off and you take that money and you reinvest in players that Klopp will put on the field. Yeah, I hear you. He's, but he is so young, man. and got so much potential. I hope that unless we're getting a lot for him, uh, we're getting like over 15, 20, which I do not see happening just because of his like, you know, uh, the play he has so far. But yeah, I mean, the kid is in his national team. I mean, it is Wales and there's not as much competition for a spot, but still, you know, obviously he has the potential to kind of like be there. So we got a couple of tricky ones now. Uh, Nabi Keita. And I know, I think we have to obviously talk about the money issue when it comes to Nabi, just because of that alone, we're not going to take our losses at this point. We kind of see what we get out of him. So I feel like he will stay and let's hope he does stay healthy and lives up to his potential. But just for the money fact alone, I feel like he's staying. Chris, stay or try to sell? I, I think he has to stay, and I think he needs to play. And I think that's the craziest part and the hardest one to say, right? He needs to play, but to do that, he has to stay healthy. And he hasn't been able to show that he can stay fit his entire time on Merseyside. I honestly believe Klopp knows there's a player in there. I don't know that there's a player in there that can play in Jurgen Klopp's system. 
because the player at Leipzig we saw win the Bundesliga player of the year. I mean, it wasn't like he was just some everyday guy. He was the best player in the German league for 18 months and we bought him and they made us allow him to stay there for 12 more months so they could keep their program moving forward. Yet he's showed up here. We handed him one of the most famed numbers. He replaced a legend. And I almost feel like that was another one of the kind of downfalls up front. We handed him the number eight Jersey before he did a thing. Everyone assumed he was going to step right into the midfield and just take off. And I don't know that his skill sets fit our style of play, but I think we have to try to see if we can unearth the talent in there. Cause he might be the second or third most talented midfielder we have in our club all around. The question is, can he do it in our system and can he do it for 10 to 15 consecutive matches? Yeah, I feel like he has a talent. It's just a matter of him staying healthy. But at this point, you know, we really can't sell him, right, Paul? So we almost have to have him stay and hope for the best. And I mean, like you say, I want the kid to succeed. I think he has a ton of potential. It's, I don't know if it's just bad luck or his body is not built for this or maybe just having a tough spell and he'll kind of uh, get it going here, which the next player we talk about is going to be very similar, but let's take you on. So why don't you start us with Keita and then follow it up with Ox? Because it's almost a similar story. Yeah, nabby nabs, right? I mean, I guess it's kind of like my humble stock. It's not a loss until you sell it. So, I mean, like, I think at this point, like, you hang on and, you know, you see what you can get. If you can get some momentum going and, and you know, you hope that he can just stay healthy and spin it together for a little bit. Um, I'm slightly more optimistic on Ox, uh, just because I think the severity and nature of his injuries are different than, than Keda's. Um, so I'm a little bit more optimistic, uh, about him, um, coming back. Um, and Ox is also one of those ones that I think almost, I think Nabby is best when he's integrated into a system and he's playing consistently and often. And I think Ox is better when he comes in off the bench and can create an impact. Um, so I think they're very different in terms of impact in, in that regard. Um, I, one thing that I will say about Ox that I think is very interesting is that towards the end of the year, he was coming on as a center forward. Um, and so I think it's, I think Klopp's got some ideas up his sleeve on how he wants to utilize him in a more advanced attacking role, which I think will be pretty interesting. How about you, Chris? So I have to be honest, I hate, I've, I've always been, I hate the false nine. Like, I don't love the false nine play. I understand why we, why Bobby plays the way he does, but I don't think he's a false nine. I think he operates as a playmaking number nine that allows wingers to run forward and score goals. I think Ox playing up front would be a true false nine, and I, I don't love that. I personally think that Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain can play on a wing and can be an impact player and showed that both at his time at Arsenal, he wants to be a box-to-box -box number eight midfielder. That's that's why he came to Liverpool, is they believed in him that way. So I, I still think Ox's greatest play with Liverpool is he stays healthy and he plays in that power engine-driving force that scores goals. That, that player we've been looking for since Steven Gerrard left, which is someone who can play in our midfield three and contribute with eight to 12 goals a year and some goal involvement. Um, and I think he brings that power and pace. I don't love him playing up top, um, but I do love the idea of him adding a different element because I'm thinking we're going to get to this player in a moment, but I don't think that's something that Shakiri has consistently offered as a option as a sub to the front four. Yeah. It's going to be an interesting experiment having him, I mean, if we try him out as like the nine, because he does bring some other stuff to it uh, in terms of his ability and speed as well. But it'll be an interesting one. I feel like, I mean, it's an easy keep for Ox because, 
I mean, when you even look at the, the season we won the title, he had some key goals, key moves uh, in that season. So when he is going, he's very valuable. And I think he's exactly what Klopp is looking for in the center there. I don't agree that he is good on the wing. I do not like him on the wing at all. I feel like he gets lost out there. So I'd rather have him in the middle. But nine would definitely be an interesting experiment. So let's do a couple of quick fire ones, and then we'll get to some of the other bigger names being discussed. Uh, Gruich, who is all but sold, and we're selling him. What is a good price for you, Paul? 12 to 15. I mean, I feel like a broken record, but I think 12 to 15 is probably fair. I think that's probably – I know that Porto is stuck on 12 and Liverpool are stuck on 15. And there seems like there's – I think there's worry there's going to be an impasse between the price. But I figured if they're that close now, they'll probably figure it out. I'm going to send it to you, Chris, but I'm going to tack on Woodburn as well. What are you doing with Gruich? What are you doing with Woodburn? Uh, Gruich goes – wherever we'll pay somewhere between 12 and 15. And I'll be totally honest. I would probably take the 12 and just move on. He's been here the longest as any player is as long as Klopp's been here and he's done literally less than Nat Phillips. And that lets you know exactly how much of an impact he's made at this club. Um, There's been no real movement forward in his play either. Everyone talks about how great he played in Germany. It really wasn't that great. He was a good player for a bottom half team. And it was the same at Porto last year. His performances were okay, but they really didn't merit a big offer. Um, As far as Woodburn goes, I don't know that you'll get that much for Woodburn. And I don't think Woodburn's clamoring to leave. And Woodburn also does count as a homegrown guy. So I'd keep him on the roster. Hmm, That's an interesting one. Where are you at with that Woodburn, Paul? Uh, Yeah, I mean, I, I think the homegrown thing's a good point. Um, at this point, he's had pretty severe injuries to both feet. Um, so I, I don't see him holding up physically uh, to Prem football. I think we would have known and seen it by now. So, like, I'm of the impression that I would try to move him. But, yeah, that, the homegrown number is an issue. So, I mean, we if we moved him, we would have to pull somebody in from the academy probably to make him up. So it's just about – it's more about where we're at with some of the boys of the academy right now in terms of that one. Another tricky one, I mean, I guess, not a tricky, maybe it's one that's discussed a lot. I personally feel like he's proven that he's just not good enough to be regularly able to play is Harry Wilson and should be fold. I mean, should be sold. And I think I'm kind of like with Paul, I think we have a bunch of players in this like 12 to 15, 20 million range. And I would kind of put him there as well, maybe 15 to 20, just because he has done some, I mean, he does bring some specific skills up front for a lot of teams can use as well. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you on this one. Harry Wilson, are you selling him? If so, how much you want for him? I, I think he has to go. I, I'm someone who always supported him. I wanted him to succeed. Uh, I hope that he would evolve into a player. Um, seen some of it in the championship. I don't think he has what it takes to be at a high-end club in the Premier League. And I think if you could get $10 million for him at this point, you'd make that move. I know Porto was interested or rumored to be interested. There's championship clubs interested. I think you make that move. Find Cardiff, find a Derby, find somebody who needs a playmaker and sell Harry Wilson. Paul? Yeah, I'm a little more bullish on Harry just because, I mean, he had a killer year last year for Cardiff. He statistically had a better year than Harvey Elliott, even though Harvey Elliott won Young Player of the Championship. So, I mean, I know that we want around $15 million. Like, you know, I could see him going closer to 20, but, I mean, you know, Hold on, we're losing Paul over here. Paul is selling out Wilson. You know what happened here? Zoom kicked off Paul for saying Harry Wilson was worth $20 million. That's what happened right I now. think so. Zoom definitely on the rack over. You were literally like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, did you say 20? <laughs> yeah, I think that was the issue there. It was just too, uh, too much for him. So while we get Paul back in action over here, 
Uh, let's keep going uh, down the lane with the other <laughs> player. Um, but yeah, I would, I would definitely move because I don't think he's We'll get pulled back eventually. So let's go back to the list. This is an interesting one for me is Taki, who somebody we brought back with like huge hopes. And um, I don't know. I feel like if he started out the Southampton adventure pretty good too. He didn't get the minutes obviously with us. Uh, where do we stand with him? We'll start with you, Chris, while we get Paul back. So I I've never felt like he got a full run at Liverpool, but that said, I don't know if that's because he wasn't earning the minutes in training. I'm not there. Um, you hear all the positives from Klopp, all the positives from the teammates, how hard it was um, to move in, how hard it was to come into the Premier League during the lockdown and not be able to even have lunch with his teammates, let alone hang out with them or get to know the city. I always felt like he could be a success because he looked like a good option off our bench. Yet every opportunity there was to give him a start in a league cup, to give him run in an FA game, to give him meaningful minutes off the bench, we went to other players. So that always makes me think that he just doesn't have the skill set for Jurgen Klopp. So maybe we need to try to sell. I'm just afraid we're going to sell low on a player who actually has a lot of talent and might be able to do a job. Yeah, that's why I feel like, I mean, we didn't spend much on him, so it's not like we would lose money on him. I just hope we do have a good sell-on clause because I can see him kind of like doing well in the long run, but I just don't know if he's, I don't know if he's physically good enough for, and I mean, there has to be a reason why he didn't get those minutes at Southampton either mm -hmm. after he started out hot. But uh, Paul, I mean, do we keep him on the squad to see if he can kind of turn things around or are you done with the talkie experiment? I mean, that's just another one of those ones where we don't get to see training, right? I think a lot of it has to do with how he does in training and I've heard he doesn't do well. So, um, I mean, I think we could get him some more time. I mean, we've, we've, we've bought him, right? So, I mean, I think you got to give him a little bit of time to try to fed in. Um, people forget that it took Fabinho basically 18 months to hit his stride. Um, on the team. So, I mean, I think a little patience is required, but I could see us probably moving on from him as well. So I can see it. I can see it both ways. I guess it depends on what side on the market too. Like if we are able to replace him, I feel like, you know, they're happy with his attitude. It's just a matter of, like you're saying, we don't see the, what happens on the practice field to see, obviously he's not earning minutes for one way or the other. Another player who doesn't earn a lot of minutes, but definitely increases value during the Euros so to me, I think it's like a perfect time to cash in on him is Shakiri and his calves. Uh, how much do you want for his calves, Paul? Give us a price per calf. Well, he is built like a Lego, so maybe we could just disconnect him and sell the bottom <laughs> half, right? I don't know. Keep the hair. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I think we got him for like, what, 15? So I think like, I mean, I <laughs> – I guess all of our players are worth 15 million. So like, I don't know. I'm fine with like 15, 20 for him for sure. He's, he's a great player, but like, if you look how we used him, we used him when he'd come in in a four, two, three, one, and we would change the formation to play him just because he can't, he can't defend a broomstick. So like, um, I, I think, I think he's better in a different system. Um, one that he can play more of that sort of free room central role. Um, but yeah. I love Shaq, but it's definitely time to move on. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I feel like that's funny you say that because as I was like kind of like laying out the the podcast, I'm looking at all these players and I kept like, you know, like just writing numbers next to him. And yeah, it, I felt like I was writing 15 next to everybody. So maybe we can sell them all and get one guy. That's, and then we can get Mbappe maybe with like selling all six, seven of them. But um Chris, how much you want for Shaq, or are you keeping Shaq? Nah, I, I mean, Shaq's got to go. It, it's a I – mean, I'm pretty much – I wrote them all down. I think I wrote 10 names down. It probably shows how little I think of Taki. He was the only person I didn't even think of because I think in my mind he's already gone. Um, I wrote Shaq 12 to 17 million, and it's like an ideal. The 12 breaks even and what we paid from Stoke, and the 17 gives us a little bit of a profit. And at the end of the day – he has never played enough defense or given enough effort towards the defensive half 
to actually be substantial. And Liverpool, Bayern Munich, or Inter Milan, which lets you know his level at the higher end of any league, three of the best leagues in the world. He's considered a surplus player. And I think that's a struggle for him. And I think that uh, he would be better off finding a lesser league to play in because I think that guy wants to be a star. And unfortunately for him, if he's not at Stoke, he's not a star. Yeah, I agree. I mean, especially as we try to get younger, especially in like, you know, going forward, I think it's a good, you know, uh, spot to start and get somebody who can come in off the bench who's like a lot younger to be able to kind of like help us in that position. So uh, let's sell them. I'll take 15 for both calves and move on, I think. But uh, this last one is a sad one, especially for Paul, I know. But we have to do this, Paul. Divac, your boy, Origi. What are you doing with your boy, Divac? We have the statue already in progress. What are we going to do with him? Um, like sell him for a bag of checks mix. I'm not sure. Like, here's my thing. Like Kendra brought, you know, Kendra, the article that we're going to release tomorrow, he brought up a really good point about Origi. And that's that, like, you know, we forget that a lot of times the players are actually in the driver's seat in these situations, especially when the contract's not on expiry yet. So like he doesn't have the ability to like, he's not going to get paid more than he's getting paid now. So like, there's not a whole lot of incentive for him to go down to another league, whether it be league one or a Belgian team or wherever, because he's, he's not going to ever make the wages that's making right now. So like he could very well just decide he wants to ride this thing out, hang with his homies, do his fashion stuff and just until the end of his contract. And I could very well see that. And that's like, you know, he's well within his right to do that. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, poo on the dude for doing that. I mean, I'd love to be able to move him if we could. Um, I don't see us being able to move him personally. Yeah, that's an interesting point, actually. And that's why we published stuff from Ken Kendra. Uh, but I feel like in that sense, when you mentioned the fashion and stuff, in that sense, he reminds me of a very young Sturridge who, his exception being, you know, in terms of approach to the game, where I don't feel like that's his top priority. I know that's partially because of the way he carries himself sometimes, but I feel like he has not progressed as me maybe thought he would. I mean, young kids, uh, I mean, he has all the physical traits that you would need for a forward, but he just not has not improved. Aside from obviously scoring some key goals that we will never forget, I feel like he has not been that person that, you know, would take the opportunities to come from the bench and make difference in games where we really freaking needed them to. Um, and that's kind of like disappointing to me because I really feel like, and I could be wrong. This is just based on, you know, obviously us from looking from outside. Uh, but the way he carries himself, it feels like he's not really that focused on improving as a player. And you might be right. Maybe he, because he won everything now along the way and actually played a key role in doing so. Uh, Chris, where do you stand on that? Um, you know, as much as, as I know Paul loves him, uh, even Paul, right? E even even the statue building, you know, sculpting uh, commissioned artist himself from North Carolina would admit he has not progressed to the player in which we all watched play at the World Cup in 2014 that Liverpool signed at 19 years old and, and immediately loaned back to Lille. And we said, wow. Like, this guy displaced Lukaku at a World Cup as the starter for his country. That is a big statement. Like, he removed Lukaku as the starter, and he earned it. And that goal he scored, you know, coming off the battered hatches with the blonde streak in his hair, and you could see it. The young, vibrant player in Liverpool signed him, loaned him back, and then he had the highlights. He had the big goal against Dortmund. He had the huge moment in the first Everton match going down the line. And then he had the bad broken leg. And that was just such a debilitating injury. It set him back so far. Two more loans after that. And I just don't think it ever responded. Then he had the highs. And those highs, I feel like, held him back. Because he lived off of 
the Merseyside miracle. He lived off the Champions League final goal. And I think he got a little fat and happy because this last year was poor. That was the worst I saw him play in a Liverpool uniform. Do you guys realize he had zero goal involvements and 11 total shots, one on goal all season? One shot on goal. That's why we're not going to get the 15 to 20 million we hope to get for him. And I honestly think he'll be sitting fodder at the end of the bench until his contract runs out. Man, that's disappointing. You guys depressed him with that one. I was really hoping we could get some money for him, but you guys make some good cases. Now that I've, if anybody listens to this podcast, nobody's going to buy him. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like, man, there's so much potential in that kid. Like you said, I mean, I'm watching the World Cup and what he's done so far he just does not play up to his potential physically is probably the most disappointing thing. But uh, let's see what happens with him. Maybe this will be the year he turns around and we can kind of finish off that statue. So for all the listeners out there, we keep making fun of Paul. He's not really that big of a fan of Divac, but it's fun to pretend he is. <laughs> so we do it all the time. But yeah. So next week, I figured we would delve more into the youth and talk about... I mean, obviously, Elliot is like the most common one. We got a bunch of other youngsters. Uh, we get to see the Polish Messi. I know Mateusz from our website is extremely excited about that. So we'll probably be able to talk more about those guys next weekend. Hey, you never know. Uh, maybe we'll get some news. Obviously, the, uh, the preseason games are starting as well. Uh, so it should be like an exciting week coming up. Definitely it is for the website, like I talked in the beginning. And we'll definitely need your guys' feedback to all the listeners out there as we try to build this uh, map and improve it anywhere that you guys go to hang out with other Liverpool fans. So uh, all the Liverpool fans in the U S can connect and watch the games together, especially starting with the preseason stuff. Now I thought it was like a great time to go. I know Chris throughout the season, you'll be doing some uh, posts and articles too, as you visit different sporter clubs. I know Paul will be as well. So uh, we really want to get more feedback and response from all the sporter clubs, all the fans around the U S so that we can kind of, Pass it on, because I know the whole point of like starting American Scouts was that really uh, in terms of like bringing fans together, uh, all the Liverpool fans to be able to connect with each other and everything like that. So, so hopefully there'll be more of that. And lastly, I should not forget this, but I know I was on a podcast with like the Delaware uh, Sports Club and kind of like came up there and we've been kind of like never unleashed it yet about, you know, how we came up with the website to start with. We talk about it a lot. And how we came up with the name, because we're not Scousers. Heck, half of us are not like even American. Uh, but how we came up with the name. So we'll kind of like release that this week too. So kind of everybody understands why it's American Scouser and what we want the site to be. And we need everybody's feedback. So anything you want to see on the site more of or less of. If you don't want Paul talking about DVOC all the time, whatever it is, just let us know and we'll kind of like work it into the plan. So, but more of Paul for everything is what I'm assuming and Chris and probably less of me. So thanks all for listening and thank you gentlemen for joining me this week and we'll see you all guys next week, same time.